1: We don't have to have games to have a football Saturday every day is a football day. Once again, we're broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com are going to help get you there on unmatched selection. Fast-free shipping, free road hazard protection, over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. It's good to have Carrie in the house today. Carrie, we got a lot to catch up on. But as I said at the top of the show, every day is a football day. We were reminded that... A couple of times recently, mm. just the force of the National Football League, the divisional round of the playoffs. Each game averaged over 40 million viewers last week. <laughs> That's a lot 40 of 40 million. To put that in perspective, on Thursday night, South Carolina played LSU in a women's collegiate basketball game, much anticipated. Mm. South Carolina, number one in the country. Of course, LSU defending champions they had more viewers than the two NBA games that night, yeah. one of them between the Celtics and the Heat, the other was the Kings and the Warriors, and that number for those NBA games was under 1.5 million. Was it really? Under <laughs> 1.5 million, and that's with wow. the Celtics know. and the Warriors yeah. in these games. So when, when we talk about the distance between the National Football League and everything else, you, you're just... Like right now, we got Denver and Philadelphia. It's a game I'm interested in because the Nuggets have been sort of playing when they have to during this regular season. Mm -hmm. And of course, last time Embiid was on the floor, he put up 70. And then we had Donchets put up 73. (laughs) And Carl Anthony Towns, he had a 60-plus game. And Devin Booker had a 60-plus game. Yeah. Which almost tells me at this point of the NBA season, they have made the regular season so meaningless. They tried with that cockamamie in-season tournament. Mm-hmm. how that worked for the Lakers? It did. They won. Um, they, won. they won. They're champions. Yeah, they did. They yeah. are champions. They yeah. put up a uh, banner. But... <laughs> I'm sorry. The NBA has got problems. I don't know what they're going to do. They're they're playing these games like they're exhibition games. No defense is being played. Remember we were critical of All-Star games the last 10 years or so where yep. it's just it's like watching uh, uh, the old Globe Trotters where you have, the, you know, the 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 sacrificial lambs mm-hmm. as the Globe Trotters do their thing. And that's what we're seeing a lot in the NBA. It Doesn't seem to be a whole lot of effort. Guys are going to put up some astronomical scoring numbers. I don't mind that, by the way. I like seeing guys score a lot of points, but Again, Carrie, we're we're talking about apples and oranges. There is no comparison. The NFL rules it, the yeah. sports
6: world. I mean, it really does. And I think with the with the NFL and football in general, right? Like, a lot of us are invested in it because of the games, because the competition, because we want we really want to see the outcome of who wins, who loses. But we also have the fans that just want to be a part of a party and be a part of something that somebody else is a part of, and so. What's the hot thing that's happening right now? That's the playoffs, and so you'll see the wives, the girlfriends, the all these other people that are invested with it, giving giving the NFL these eyeballs as well. So it's it. There's no comparison to that sport at all. And the NBA, it is. It, it's it's a, it's so watered down. You, you don't have real consequences with the loss at this time of year right now for most guys, and so and even with that, trying to get those guys to play and play hard for. 82 games, it's just not going to happen in, in this day and age. So it's it's not a good place to be right now.
1: One thing that has always bothered me over the years as a historian of sports is the criticism or belittling of numbers put up by players back in the day. Yeah, Like when Wilt Chamberlain put up 100 points in a game, and those days when Oscar Robertson and Jerry West and Elgin Baylor and Bill Russell and all those legendary players. And my retort to those that dismiss what they did is this. When Will Chamberlain won on his record spree, the NBA had just expanded from eight teams to nine. Yeah. <laughs> the Chicago Bulls, a few years later, became the 10th franchise in the NBA. Imagine if the current NBA had 10 teams instead of 30. What kind of quality would we see in those 10 teams as opposed to the 30 teams we have right now? It'll be I mean, really because when you have when you have, like in the, like the NHL before the expansion in 1967, there were six teams. Wow, six. Yeah. So imagine today's sports if you had six teams or eight teams or ten teams in these leagues. How good would the teams be? It'll be the best of the best. The best of the best. Right. So, guy, you wouldn't have teams that are not competitive, yeah, like you have now in the NBA, and this is the problem with expansion. I understand it's all about money, money and everything yeah. else, <laughs> but you can't say that because they did it 40, 50, 60 years ago, it doesn't count. Well, the competition was keener. You were seeing the same teams over and over and over again. That's true. And the amount of total players in the league was a fraction
6: of what it is now. And so I guess the retort to that would be just the skill level, right? So you can be the best of the best. The best at that time, a lot of those guys were doing that as their day job. I mean, as their job, but their day job was something else, right? And so it's hard to say that they were completely invested in what they were doing in that time. I mean obviously in that pocket of time when they played those games or played that season they were but they weren't making enough for their for their livelihoods, right? So they had to go work and do other oh, jobs. Absolutely. So remember so think about that part of it, right? So are they are they the best of the best? They're the best at that time, but the times have changed and the athlete has changed. So it's I love the point you're making about it being not as many teams, because yes, that that fact really holds up. But when you talk about the skill level and what they represent, that's that's I guess that would be the retort to it. Kerry,
1: I, I'm going to take you back in time, as I often do. One of the reasons that the NBA, when you watch old films, looks slow <laughs> is that in those days, a legal dribble was on top of the ball. Yep, true. Watch Jerry West or Oscar Roberts and YouTube him sometime. There's no crossover on the on the dribble. Mm-hmm. You you were if you did that it was called carrying the ball over or palming the ball. Yeah. Obviously in the NBA that's long gone. Oh, gone. <laughs> Whatever we see now was not allowed back in those days. Mm-hmm. You had to I I was I go back so far. I was taught to dribble and you had to keep your hand on top of the ball. Yeah. Otherwise it was palming. Mm-hmm. Now, the fact that they eliminated that rule without actually writing it into the script um, made the game, obviously, a lot faster. And it gives the players an opportunity to do things, go to the hoop, and a lot a lot of things you simply can't do right. if you have to dribble the ball, making sure that your hand is on top of the ball.
6: Well, and, and at that time, obviously, the the caveat with, with, with even what you're saying now is it wasn't about the dribble, then. It wasn't about the live dribble. dribble. It was about passing the ball. Passing, yes. So that's the difference, I guess. That would be the... The caveat in that situation. Yeah, I mean you wouldn't be able to do what they do now if they if they had to literally dribble on top of the ball. Well,
1: all right, let's exhaust our basketball talk and get to the NFL. All right, we have two games tomorrow. The AFC Championship game will be first between the Chiefs and the Ravens, followed of course by the Lions and the 49ers. But before we get to those games, school has got plenty of time to break down these games. It's been a very busy week around the NFL as far as coaching hires are concerned. And let's start with the biggest name on the board, and that's Jim Harbaugh, and I'm going to go back to the day that Brandon Staley was fired as the coach of the Chargers after the embarrassing blowout loss in Las Vegas, and yes, I was at that game with my sons, showed you a picture of us uh, there, or at least of the boys, and then, um, of course, Tom Telesco was fired as well, who, by the way, just got hired by the Raiders as their new general manager, and immediately, I knew what had happened. (laughs) <laughs> Immediately, And then Bernie Fratto here at Fox calls me, and he goes, Steve, i got to get you on my show tonight to talk about the Chargers situation. So Bernie brings me on, and I said, understand this, Bernie. The league has intervened on the Chargers. And the reason they have intervened is that the Chargers have been in L.A. for a number of years now and have made no inroads in the L.A. market. None whatsoever. And the one way and the only way that they're going to move the needle is is to hire Jim Harbaugh. This is back in December. Right. Now, people are, and then he's like, well, what are some of the other names? I go, Bernie, you're not hearing me. <laughs> there are no other names. There's only one name that's going to move the needle, even the slightest, in the LA market. And that's Jim Harbaugh. And this is even before he won the national championship. What about the money? They don't spend money on coach. The league is going to mandate it. (laughs) We don't care what the cost is. You are going to bring Jim Harbaugh in as the coach of this franchise. You've had a free ride. You're not in San Diego anymore. We gave you a free spot in the L.A. market. You've done nothing with it. Right. And that's going to change. So now let's I want to get your thoughts before yeah. I give my thoughts in on on the Harbaugh hiring by the Chargers what impact cuz you're in this market as well obviously mm-hmm. do you think Jim Harbaugh has on the profile of
6: the Los Angeles Chargers Oh it's astronomical I mean the guy's won everywhere he's been every every product he's he's <laughs> literally put his name on you can even go back to when he was playing quarterback still I mean this People don't really understand the power that he's he has, and 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 the lure that he has. He's been on, he's been on TV shows. He's been on Saved by the Bell. For God's sake, you know he's been on. He's, he has a reach that's bigger than a lot of people may imagine. But outside of that, his connection with his team, with his players, and with his quarterbacks ha- has been second to none. And so you bring a guy like that to your program, proven winner, and you talk about the Chargers, right? They they supposedly have that that stud as well at that quarterback position, right? I mean, I think he's good, but I don't know what he can do yet. He hasn't fulfilled that. But you bring in a guy like Harbaugh, we're going to see what he's made of. And then you have the players that he has around on that team. It's time for them to step up. And when you have a guy like that that's a proven winner, the cream will rise to that. So I'm excited to see what they can put on the field.
1: All right, so let's let's take a hard look at Jim Harbaugh's time at the University of Michigan. Because these last three years have been great. Mm-hmm. Three straight trips to the uh, playoffs and then, of course, capped off with the national championship. Have people forgotten the first six years when he was 0-6 against Ohio State? Mm-hmm. Losing by an average of over 20 points a game against their number one rival. Mm-hmm. Do they remember the COVID year when they were 2-4 and four in 2020? And they, everyone's saying, when is this ever going to happen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. People just seem to forgotten those six years at Michigan when he didn't get the immediate turnaround that he did, certainly at Stanford and with the 49ers. Eventually he got there. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's afforded the same time in the NFL of having six bad years to get to a seventh year with the hopes that it's going to be a better year. You have that luxury uh, apparently at the University of Michigan. Here's what I say about Harbaugh. I was in San Diego when Jim joined the Chargers yeah. as a quarterback. yeah. yeah. Uh, they were coming off the disastrous rookie season of Ryan Leaf. Yeah. Leaf was hurt. They needed a quarterback. Harbaugh steadied the ship for a year. Mm-hmm. And then he was his last year, he was part of a 1-in-15 Charger team, mm-hmm. his last five starts before he embarked on his coaching career. Started with the Raiders, actually, and then, of course, went to USD, Stanford, and on. Um, here's what I'll say about Jim Harbaugh, and I put it, put it out there on Twitter slash X, that overcoming the Spannels curse— will be the greatest challenge of his coaching career. (laughs) And it's not even close. And I go back to another bad ownership and the idea that, well, a great coach can overcome whatever deficiency an organization has. Dan Snyder was one of the worst coach uh, owners in the history of the National Football League on many levels. Facts. But during his time, he hired Marty Schottenheimer, Mm -hmm. Steve Spurrier, Mm-hmm. He brought back Joe Gibbs, and he hired Mike Shanahan. Yep. Now we're talking about four coaches with amazing resumes everywhere they had been. Yep. Yeah. Until they got hired by Daniel Snyder, and suddenly they became losers. <laughs> True. and so True. and by the way then in and, and, and some cases left and became winners again mm-hmm. Spurrier went back to college became a winner Marty Schottenheimer uh went to the Chargers became a winner so th- th- there there is something to be said mm-hmm. that no matter how great a coach you are the obstacles facing you being in a bad organization mm-hmm. may be too much to overcome the reality for the Chargers is they got cap hell right now. Mm-hmm. They're $28 million over the cap. I'm going to continue this on the other side. Look, I'll put it this way. I am rooting for Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, I am a Jim Harbaugh fan. Okay. okay. And I've always been a Jim Harbaugh fan. But I'm going to tell you about some of the obstacles, and then I'll find out whether Kerry Rhodes thinks he can <laughs> overcome them. This is Fox Football Saturday.
0: That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
1: Steve Hartman, Kerry Rhodes. This is Fox Football Saturday. We're coming to you live from the TireRack.com studios. All right, we got two big games tomorrow. Which two teams will end up in the Super Bowl? Breaking it all down is the one and only. Our Fox Sports NFL insider, Adam Kaplan, joins us right now. First of all, Adam, it's great to have you on, especially on a day before two terrific matchups tomorrow. But before we get to the matchups, yep. I want to ask you, how surprised are you that it appears Bill Belichick will not be coaching in the NFL in 2024?
5: Well, I could tell you that a lot of us at cover league thought, go, and it, it was true, that going into the process for the Falcons, he was at the top of their list. But as I always tell people, and I warn them, just because a guy is going in doesn't mean he's going out. It depends on how the interviews go. And after a second interview, I found it telling they kept interviewing people. I'm like, well, why are they doing this if he's the guy, and he clearly was not the guy at the end? And yeah, now, his options are this. Uh, he could be a consultant for a team. Clearly, could do that. He doesn't need the money, but if he wants to still work, he can do that. Or he goes into radio and television. He's got relationships with people at SiriusXM, XM, as I'm aware of networks. Whatever he wants to do this season. So, unless now again, unless somebody retires suddenly, or. Something changes, yeah, he, he's he's not coaching this year.
1: Well and, and maybe never again. I know first of all, one thing I know about Belichick and we yeah. and we well, he wants to set the all time wins record. Right. Yeah. I mean he's yeah. very much a historian of the game. We found now he was great in the coverage of the 100th anniversary of the NFL. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. I'm breaking down really film was. of, you know, black and white film of guys, and I mean, he <laughs> absolutely lives and breathes. He's sort of he like does. Martin Scorsese uh, in, in filmmaking, because he knows every movie ever made, and that's how Belichick is with the history of the NFL. Mm-hmm. So the idea of him becoming the winningest coach of all time is obviously something he wants to attain. Otherwise, he would have announced his retirement immediately after parting of ways with the New England Patriots, but if he takes off a year and adds another year to the calendar on his age, I mean, can you see him returning to the NFL? I mean, we hear like if Andy Reid steps aside, why yeah. would why, Andy Reid's another lifer? Why would Andy Reid lifer. ever yeah. step aside when he well, had Patrick someday. Mahomes? I mean, when, yes. when? when is that going to happen? I know. I know.
5: I, I know, mean, know, but, so, but, I
1: mean, is it yeah. is it conceivable that Belichick will never be a head coach in the NFL again?
5: Of course, it's conceivable, but I, I knowing people close to him, he really wants a coach. Yeah, does the record mean something? Sure, but he's a football lifer. I know he's in his seventies. Football is all that he knows. He'll always have a media career when he's done if he wants it. I, I just don't I, talking to someone who knows him very well. I, I don't see this. In fact, the, the way now now here's another one for you. It did not end well. Obviously, this past season, quarterback situation was dreadful. That Bill had a lot to do with it. I don't see him saying, you know what. I'm gonna walk away with a three-win team. I, I don't I I don't he's just too competitive. That 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 is a big part, Steve, on your point. And everything you said is fair, but knowing the way he thinks from talking to people who've worked with him, I'd be stunned if he doesn't if he's if it stays the same, which we expected to do, if he's not coaching in twenty twenty five, that would surprise me.
6: Well, Adam, I, 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 the the words you keep saying is he wants to, right? And I think that's yes. that's yeah. true and that's honest. Yeah. But I don't see him and I've talked about this. In the, up, in, in the past few weeks about Belichick, right? I don't think he's a great fit for any team right now anyway. I think the game has passed him by as far as not the X's and O's. I mean, obviously he knows the game better than most. Yeah. And I would say uh, <laughs> that when I say that most, I mean almost everybody, right? And so that's a fact. But there's a relationship aspect to this thing where I think the game is passing by. I think the relationships that he can have with these younger the younger generation just doesn't it just doesn't add up for me. So even when he was going into Atlanta, I never thought that that was going to be the place that he'd be because that seems it's, – at its core, is such a young team. So I could see why it didn't fit. But I don't see any other fits right now. I mean, even if you're talking about this year sitting out, what other situation, if it was a year or two down the line, would even seem like it would be a good fit for him?
5: Well, you got to understand, carry, And, you know, and look, we're looking at 2025 here. Coaches could be fired in season, so Frank sure. Wright gets sacked. Josh McDaniels got sacked. Brandon Staley got sacked, yeah. Like, which is rare to see three guys canned in season. Like, like That doesn't really happen, but it did. So you, you you could say it doesn't look good for Bill, but it, it, now it, we don't have an hour to talk about this, but I can tell you <laughs> that it's really complex with Bill. I think you've made a very fair point. Uh, his issues with Mac Jones – it's been written about uh, locally. I know a lot about what happened behind the scenes there. Yeah. Bill made several tackle errors. Uh, also, with Matt Patricia being his offense coordinator in 22, it was an absolute disaster. A terrible mistake for a brilliant guy like Bill, which I've been a check defender. I couldn't defend that one. I saw it up close for two days in practice. Yep. There's some things you just don't understand. Like, well, how did it get away from Bill? Kerry, I, I, everything you said is fair. Yeah. There, there, there's, a little, there, there's detail nuance to all that. But it's extremely disappointing with the way that it went down for Belichick. But it is what it is.
1: We have four teams left, and the home teams are prohibitive favorites. They should be. The Ravens and the 49ers were the dominant forces in their respective conferences. Let's start with Detroit. Um, obviously a great story only the second time they've ever played in the NFC Championship game since the merger in 1970 1991 they had a they had that, that year they had the blowout win against the Cowboys and then got blown out by the then Redskins yep. in the NFC Championship game. I mean my gut feeling here is the 49ers look like a team that had taken 3 weeks off. They did. And they took three weeks off, and they barely got themselves back together in time to escape with a win. That will not be the case this week. I I would love to see the Lions make this a competitive game, but... As ordinary as Brock Purdy and the 49ers looked last week, why do I get the suspicion we're going to see a, a different dynamic from the 49er offense this week?
5: Yeah, Steve, you're right. They look, they look, boy, they look like they did, were not in sync. Brock Purdy did not play well. Now, I give him credit. The fourth quarter, they did what they had to do, outscoring them, the opponent 10 to nothing. They showed they could actually come back in a game. You know, the, the issue with the West Coast offensive teams is they're very highly programmed. They, they play a specific way. They're all about balance. That's what Kyle Shanahan wants, and they, they don't want Brock Purdy throwing a ton, and he had to. He brought him back. He didn't play great, but the bottom line is he brought them back, and they, they handled business against an inferior team. I give the Packers credit. They closed the season really well, but they were pretty me- mediocre through all of it. Now, the, here are a couple things that Debo Samuel is going to play. He got cleared medically to play after uh, Friday's practice, so... He's gonna be good to go here now. And they, they think he'll be able to, the contact thing will not be a problem. That's their thinking. It was a pain tolerance thing. He's had problems of leaving games early. He left last week's game early and didn't return. So you always have to watch that. But I am worried about Detroit's offensive line. They are really banged up. That's an area where they're banged up and their secondary's been an absolute sieve. But the thing they can do, and they could score on anybody, it doesn't matter what the defense is, they they've shown the ability to do it. And that's that's the thing and um, yeah, the spread is, uh, depending on which book you look at, it's seven and a half or seven. Right. That's what I got, got them all right I, against the number verified on Sports Grid. <laughs> I do TV for them. Uh, but this is a lot. I'm, Steve, I'm kind of sneakily ble- agreeing with you, but I'm secretly pulling for the Lions and my friends there who uh, have suffered through a lot of turmoil and losses for decades.
6: Yeah, I think the Lions story is has been awesome, obviously. it's to to see where they are right now and to see where they've progressed under under these few years with Dan Campbell is just nothing short than astounding, really. So, definitely rooting for them. But yeah, I, I just don't see them having enough to get over this San Francisco hurdle. Even I mean, I think San Francisco got their wake up call last week, and they'll be ready to go. But I want to talk about the Ravens, and I want to talk about the Chiefs. Obviously, sure. I think both teams, with even you know, with the Ravens being you know the the quote unquote favorite at home here. I think they're both going into this with the underdog mentality. The Ravens obviously have been playing well and been been pummeling teams that are that are in the playoffs or have been in the playoffs and are playing at a really high clip. but I know them and I talked to you know I talked to Lamar a little bit uh this past week, and just the chip that they have on their shoulder still they go into every game feeling like they're the underdog, which is a crazy thing to have with the talent that they have right so yeah. you have Patrick come into this game playing on the road. He just got his first road win last week, and now he's, you know, got another chance to do it this week. How do you see this game playing out from your perspective? I have mine, but I want to hear yours first and see what see what you have going, Adam.
5: Yeah, so with Kansas City, and that was huge for Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs to show they could win on the road. Hostile environment game. It, could, it was anyone's game. I mean, as you saw, it yeah. went down to the wire there. A crazy game. Um, so, look, they built that confidence. Remember that, that late season, regular season swoon that they had looked ugly? Yeah. I think a lot of us are saying, "What is going on with this team?" But they, they've right, they've they've kind of readied the ship. Very emotional win, no question about. It. They got to get it up again on the road. That, Kerry, I don't know about you, but for I didn't play, you did, but that was an extremely emotional game last week. They've got to show they can handle it. Now I know the Ravens under Lamar have not been very good in the playoffs. That was a dominating performance. Let's not forget their defense only gave it three points. Yeah. The other the other seven was on a punt return. Yeah. Their defense is incredible. They're getting it back. Marlon Humphrey, the best corner, which is huge. They're, they're actually the healthiest of the two. The Chiefs, for the first time in actually a couple of months, they're kind of banged up. Yeah, I I, I like the Ravens to take care of businesses in this game. I kind of – it's the first time I've done this in a long time. I actually changed my pick. I was feeling good about it, the Chiefs, <laughs> and then I looked a little bit about just ask, getting opinions from people I respect. We'll see what happens, but I kind of le- – I'm leaning towards the the Ravens in this one.
6: Do game. you respect me, Adam? Sorry. Of course. <laughs> they're, gonna, they're 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 going to win by double digits, double. Yeah, why?
5: What do you th- what do you feel that way? What you a just blowout,
6: said? Huh? It's not a blowout. I just I mean, ten points. I guess is a blowout, but I just I, In the I, NBA. It is. You know. You know what I mean. I just think it'll be double digits. I, I, it's okay. just. The Ravens are better.
1: Well, I mean, look, it figures to be a 49er Ravens Super Bowl yeah, yeah. now that Jim Harbaugh <laughs> is back in the NFL and his brother. See how this all works? It, it, there's always a little symmetry that will lead two teams on a collision course. I know Jim Harbaugh is not the coach of the 49ers like he was back in the day, but he is back He was is at the game the last day. week, though. Yep. <laughs> yes. Uh, we'll, we'll share my thoughts. As you know, I, I'm very sure. deep into the Chargers situation, uh-huh. but we'll do it on another day. Uh, great stuff as always, guess. Adam, and we'll catch up with you next week.
5: And I will be back from the senior ball by then so perfect ah, Good stuff.
1: Uh, That's Adam Kaplan there, our Fox Sports Radio NFL insider. Hey, by the way, did you know Discover wants everyone to feel special? That's why, with your Discover card, you have access to 24-7 customer service, as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. Let's find out what is trending right now and... Well, Martin is uh, someone that uh, he and I are on the same page when it comes to Jim Harbaugh. We are, we you are know. on the same page. When now, it comes when you will to Jim go Harbaugh. on with VJ, though, you're gonna you're gonna hit a wall with that one. I mean, it's gonna be rock
7: meat hard place because I have I have a feeling VJ and I are gonna disagree vehemently on this. Uh, wow, really? Wow.
1: Okay, well, we'll I break mean, it down know. a little I, bit I, later on, but I, I, I,
7: yeah, after doing the show with the guy for a year or so, yeah, I have a feeling <laughs> that he's gonna be uh, we're gonna disagree. Yes. <laughs>
1: I always say this about you know doing uh, radio as long as I have. When you have partners, I said, imagine being locked into a room with somebody and having any kind of conversation, any kind of conversation. Are you argumentative by nature, Martin? <laughs> I wouldn't say necessarily. No, I don't think I just.
7: I don't think I open. But if you're in this arguments. business,
1: you have to have opinions. Yeah. I mean, that's the way it is. Yeah, that's stubborn how it opinions. Goes. Yeah. You gotta plant your flag. (laughs) You gotta plant the flag. And, you, you know, if that person in the room with you is not on the same page, it can yeah, on what create flag a little it friction. Yeah. <laughs> it can it be, be like contentious. You know, wars are fought over flags. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else happening out there?
7: Uh, yeah, the big chant right now in Denver is, where's Embiid at? Where's Embiid at? At the Pepsi Center for the Denver Nuggets and their fans, as Embiid was ruled out for tonight's game against oh. Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets just a few minutes before tip. This is his 11th missed game so far this season. Now, the NBA did institute a new rule. Yep. 65-game minimum games played to be able to qualify for any league award. So that means that now on January 27th throughout the rest of the regular season, Embiid has a window of six games left to be able to go ahead and try to defend his award. This is per Sean Little from uh, Chicago Flow on Twitter. He says Embiid has missed five games versus teams over 500 on the road versus three games played. Feels like he might be picking and choosing this Spots a little bit there. I don't know, especially wow, last you know what's interesting about sports this sports game. Seventy.
1: So Jokic in this game has two points, four rebounds, and three assists. But Without Embiid in there, but he's playing. That's the key. Well, of course he's always he's playing. playing. But, he but you would think that he would like you know go off, and I guess he decided Embiid's not here. Pretty much, I'm going to take the night off and let my teammates do everything.
7: Well, you know who knows? He, he, it's Jokic. He's still got time. He yeah. might finish the game with a 72 point triple double. Yeah. The way that things <laughs> that are would going be a hell of a second in half. the NBA. <laughs> this in the NBA uh, these days. But as you just said, Jokic's not not scoring too much, but the score of the game 51 apiece right now. 4:30 left in the second quarter. Paul Reed. Embiid's uh, backup. I wonder, I'd be like, yo, y'all got to give me some more money, man. If Embiid's going to keep missing all these games, I'm, I'm playing way too much to be a backup center. Yeah. But he's uh, the high man for Philadelphia with 14 points. Jamal Murray, uh, the high man for Denver with 15. Uh, NFC uh, NFC and AFC championship games are tomorrow. As we just heard Adam Kaplan say, uh, Ravens cornerback Marlon Humphrey expected to play. He missed the last two Baltimore games with a calf injury. Kadarius Toney not expected to play. He's got a hip injury and a personal reason is also keeping him out of there. Only healthy tight end tomorrow for Detroit will be Sam Laporta. And again, he got hurt in the regular season finale, so uh, it's going to be light in the tight end room as the Lions will not activate. Uh, Zach Ertz off the practice squad. Brock Wright has a forearm injury. 49ers have no players listed on their injury report. A clean sheet after Debo Samuel was a full go in practice earlier today. And also earlier today was a lot of defensive, you know, the coaching carousel. The defensive coordinator carousel was spinning as well. All right, hang on. The (laughs) Eagles hire former Dolphins defensive coordinator Vic Fangio to coach his defense, or to coach Nick
1: Sirianni's defense. Has Fangio now coached for every team in the league? Yes. (laughs) He's
7: he's had quite a bit. It's (laughs) like the Ryan Fitzpatrick of defensive coordinators. Thank you very much. like, how many different teams can he coach for? Well, one more now, the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, former Eagles defensive coordinator Sean Desai, who was demoted in the middle of the year last year, or this season, I should say, he interviewed with the Bills and the Falcons for their defensive coordinator, Jesse of uh, Michigan fame, former Michigan defensive coordinator. He'll go coach with Jim Harbaugh in L.A. That makes sense. Nah, he's pretty good. Pretty and good he has NFL experience. He does. Yeah. And then uh, you have Demarcus Covington, former Patriots defensive line coach, who will be promoted to defensive coordinator. And the Chicago Bears have hired Buffalo Bills defensive line coach Eric Washington as their new defensive coordinator. However, Matt Eberflus will continue to call the defensive plays. Kerry and
6: Steve, <laughs> you're up. <laughs> You know it's funny, Steve, like how uh, the, thank you, Mark. Thanks, Mark. How does a guy like Desai even get two interviews after what he just went through in Philly? Like, go coach in college or something and come back or even a position coach. Look, but if, we're, are... if we're if we're going to
1: try to break down why certain guys get hired and why certain My guys God. get passed, we're going to have to have a 18-hour show. Uh, once again, it's Fox Football Saturday. We're coming to you live from the TireRack.com studios. All right, before Adam Kaplan joined us, we were talking about the Jim Harbaugh situation with the Chargers. And so I want to take a step forward here on exactly what the challenges are for Jim Harbaugh Beyond the fact that he is working for a team owned by Dean Spanos, which is a huge obstacle. So one of the problems they have immediately is the cap situation. Remember, they haven't even hired a general manager yet, so we still have to get a GM in place. Right. But they're about $28 million over the cap. Their two pro bowlers this year were Keenan Allen and Khalil Mack. And Khalil Mack will be in the Hall of Fame someday. And and I'm a huge Keenan Allen fan. I have been for a long time. I think he was his sixth Pro Bowl that he made. They're not going to be around because they can't afford them from this point on. Mm-hmm. They're going to hook on with other teams that can get him under the cap. So you couple that with the fact that you have... Derwin James hurt all the time. Joey Bosa hurt all the time. Rashawn Slater had that great rookie season uh, after the injury. Hasn't played up to that same level. Yep. Austin Eckler is done. He's done. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you look around, and Mike Williams has had injuries. Quentin Johnson, obviously, couldn't catch the ball. First-round pick out of uh, 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 TCU. So they, they got holes out. Everywhere on that team. Yeah, it's nice to have a quarterback in place, Justin Herbert. But don't you see where this Herbert thing is going? He he, He's basically step-for-step step where Phillip Rivers was. Where you have a high-level quarterback with a mediocre roster and mediocre returns as far as wins and losses is concerned. I don't know how Jim Harbaugh... Mm-hmm as a head coach, is overcoming those obstacles when, as you say, you have other teams just in his own division who find themselves in a far more stable situation in terms
6: of their personnel. Well, there's a reinvigoration that happens when you bring in that guy. I believe that Harbaugh's that guy for them, their coach. He's going to have those guys rally. Facts are facts. Keenan may not be there. Khalil may not be there. We have a new year for these guys to get healthy. Obviously, it hasn't panned out that way for them for <laughs> for a long time, right? Health has been a big issue with the Chargers. But take out the health concerns because that that's a concern for every team and that's a, a concern for every player. It just It is what it is. If they're healthy, which is if, just saying they are, they're going to be healthy next year. They got their guy at coach. He's a way better coach and a way better relationship guy than – the last guy ever could be right and so the last guy should never have been in it <laughs> exactly so the galva- the galvanizing the galvanizing factor that happens when you bring that guy in raises the level if he touches the quarterback the way that he can touch that quarterback and that permeates down through that team x's and O's we know he can do that and he's going to hire the right guys around him to do that the players are going to be healthy we're going to say that just because we're saying that for the sake of this this, this conversation they're going to be a factor in AFC West and that's and i just believe in the human element the energy element that happens when you bring in that guy and that's what I'm kind of basing it on because all the stuff you said is true and, and and has been the truth for them. But I think when you bring in that guy, it changes.
1: Their defense has been a catastrophe. Yes. Now he's going to bring his defense coordinator in from Michigan who has NFL experience, but yep. you got to get the right players on the field. Yes, you do. And it's almost a do-over as far as that Charger roster is concerned. All right, coming up on the other side, we're going to start getting into these conference championship games. Which game is most likely to see an upset. We'll break it down. This is Fox Football Saturday.
2: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Terms and conditions apply.
7: This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi Fi? Oh my,
2: look at that! He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks
0: with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
1: Steve Harbin and Kerry Rhodes. This is Fox Football Saturday. We're coming to you live from the Rack.com studios. We are very excited about tomorrow and the NFC-AFC championship games. The Chiefs. And the Ravens up first, followed by the Lions and the 49ers. We talked a little bit about these games with Adam Kaplan. Let's go next level here. Yeah. I would say if any team is more likely to pull an upset, obviously it would be the Chiefs over the Lions. But let's talk about the Lions and this game against the 49ers. You hear what I had to say with Adam Kaplan. First of all, we we warned about this, carry back at the end of the regular season about – taking off week 18 and then having another bye week. Yeah. And by the way, even though at the end, the Ravens blow out the Texans, it was 10-10 at halftime. They were rusty. And yeah. they were really rusty. They didn't do anything offensively uh, until the second half. Now, they woke up. The 49ers it took until the last drive, apparently, <laughs> to finally wake up from their coma. So, my, my thought process on both these teams is they're going to be much better this week than they were a week ago. Yeah. But that being said, you have a Lions team that, well, I want to get your perspective on Dan Campbell and the way he approaches this. Um, you're on the road. You're a touchdown underdog, deservedly so. You've had a tremendous season, obviously, the best season, deepest run they've had in the playoffs in 32 years. But how do you think he's approaching his psyche? Because, and I mentioned this one other point before. I get your thoughts here. Jared Goff has been really outspoken on how confident his team is; they are going to win every single game. Mm. So, do you? Does Dan Campbell play the underdog card, or do you just say we're the better team? Mm.
6: And put that mindset into your team getting ready for the Forty ers I think it's a fine balance of that. I'm I'm sure with this team, they're preaching that we are the team to beat. I, I I could feel that energy from them, but I also think there is this underdog mentality with them as well. That obviously they've hadn't had success like this. You just said it in thirty something years, right? So they're going to take that approach, the underdog approach. But I know. Going into the game, they're going to let it all, <laughs> let it all hang out, right? He's already aggressive anyway, almost to, a, almost to a fault. But he's going to come out. They're going to lay it all out there, be aggressive, and he's going to, they're going to go out swinging. So I would say the underdog approach out in the open, but behind closed doors, they're definitely confident that they can win the game.
1: By no stretch of the imagination do the Lions have an elite defense. They don't. No, But they can put pressure on the quarterback. Opportunistic, too. And we saw Brock Purdy last week under pressure against literally one of the worst defenses in the league, Mm -hmm. which the Packers statistically were, so much so they got rid of their defensive coordinator right after going deep into the playoffs. So the one thing they were able to do against Brock Purdy was put pressure on him. And, you know, I really watched Brock Purdy last week. And... We saw this a little bit earlier this year. That when you do put pressure on Brock Purdy, he's not quite as steady as a lot of people make him out to be. That he has a very cool demeanor and everything else. He can be frazzled. I mean, if I'm the Lions, I'm bringing everybody early. I am. I got to get a body shots on Purdy early mm-hmm. because he's like most quarterbacks. They get into a rhythm. They get comfortable. Uh, and by the way, Jared Goff is the exact same way. Yes. Um, but somehow, some way, the Lions have
6: got to get hits early on Brock Purdy. They got to get hits early on Purdy, but they they also have to do what Green Bay did. And I don't and I don't know if they can because they're hurt up front. But their strength, Detroit is running the ball, so playing a little keep away from San Fran as well. And if they were healthy up front, I would make this game a little closer because. That's what they do really well.
1: I just find it interesting You have an NFC game, championship game, between a guy that was the first pick in his draft versus a guy that was the last pick in his draft. And the guy who was last is the favorite in the game. Much more coming up. This is Fox Football Saturday. Rolling along here on this Saturday, getting ready for, of course, two big games tomorrow, which teams will end up in the Super Bowl. This is Fox Football Saturday. We're broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com, we're going to help get you there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. All right, much more on those games coming up a little bit later in this hour, but also catching up on all the things that have been happening off the field this past week in the NFL. 6 of the 8 coaching vacancies have been filled. We're still waiting on the Commanders and the Seahawks. It appears that the Commanders are waiting on Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator for the Lions. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure where the Seahawks are going. I thought Dan Quinn with his ties to that organization seemed to be a shoe-in. A shoe-in, but mm-hmm. they haven't hired him yet
6: yeah that one's interesting to me as well i thought that was the one it made sense you got the ties pete carroll can still be around you know what i mean all those things seemed like that was the ideal place but who else could they be waiting for
1: i'm not quite sure <laughs> it's not bill belichick let's no, it put it that not. way it's not. um one of the things about the six positions that have been filled for them have gone to minority coaches Yes, uh, and by the way, that means that uh, going into the new season, it'll be a new record: nine head coaches. Wow! Uh, now, is this a what? What is this just a natural evolution of the game, Kerry? In your opinion, I mean, I, much has been made of the Rooney Rule and everything else, yeah, and yeah. I think there there have been pluses and minuses with the Rooney Rule over the years, but um, they seem to be making progress. I, I think it's more evolutionary. I, obviously, in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it's we don't even talk race anymore yeah. in terms of coaches and who's hired and fired and everything else. We've long passed that in the NBA. But do you think we're we're finally getting to that stage where the NFL where race really isn't going to be the main factor uh, in terms of conversation of why a certain guy is being denied a job or another guy gets a
6: job? Yeah, it's it's hard to say. I do know I hated the Rooney Rule. I mean, a lot of those times you know that just because they were getting interviewed, it was just because of the Rooney Rule. (laughs) Like, they had no chance of getting the job. So, you know, that part of it, I just – I dismissed that anyway. I didn't like it from the beginning. But I think now, I mean, these coaches, the coaches that are getting hired, that are quote-unquote minority coaches, they've put in time. So, I mean, there was a clip of Tomlinson talking about Raheem Morris being the best coach he's ever been around, period.
1: You know, it's funny, you mentioned those – obligatory phone calls. Yeah. I thought Raheem Morris was that guy this year. Because <laughs> you know, he's been a head coach yeah. before, yeah. you know, and he's not been successful as a head coach. So I thought everyone's calling Raheem Morris just to say, all right, we checked that. <laughs> check that one off. And then he gets the Atlanta job.
6: That one shocked me. I, that was such a dark horse win for me. But again, he, he was an interim there for a little while. So yeah. he has history there. Mm-hmm. They know what he can do, what he did in the short term, the interim time that he was there. So, I mean, the connection was already there. So when you peel back the layers of what you said, like he didn't have success in that stint, he did something well and he steadied that ship when he came in there. So the relationship that he had in that organization probably was the motivating factor. Cause obviously you can't go off his history of winning cause he hasn't done that yet yet. So I, again, I think we're in the position where relationships matter and we talk about like the sigh and these people getting opportunities again when they don't make sense. This one didn't make sense, but the relationship matters. So
1: it's amazing if you look over the history of the National Football League and coaches that have gone on to greatness. You know, have punched a ticket in Canton, Ohio. How many of them, upon their hiring, were not perceived to be guys that would have success? Mm-hmm. I mean, Bill Belichick's a prime example. He had five years in Cleveland. They had one playoff year in five years. Yep. His last year, they had a losing season. He got canned. Yep. Then he got hired by the Jets for one day. One day. And then he ends up with New England and the rest was history. I mean, I could go down a lot of these guys over the years that, you know, really sort of just, you know, right place, right time. I think it's it's a broken record, but it's so true. I don't know why more so in the NFL than just about anywhere else whether it's the success of a coach or a success of a player, mm-hmm. being in the right system at the right time. Now that we've had a little time to uh, reflect on the season the Houston Texans had with D'Amico Ryans and C.J. Stroud, yeah.
6: why do you think it worked? Wow. That's an that's a interesting question. Um, we t- I talked about last segment having that guy, having that, that alpha coach that can connect with his players, D'Amico having played the game at a, at a, at a high level, led the game at a high level on each each place he's been. I know they have the stabilizing force there, in him. I know that. So that's number one. He could connect with the players and get them to raise their game. Let me talk about Harbaugh. And then you, it's a little bit of luck involved, right? C.J. Stroud coming into the year, after all the the nonsense and all the talk that was about him not having a high enough IQ or not being able to process defenses and all these things that he can obviously do really well. Him getting to the right situation, a place where his coach believes in him and gives him the answers to the test. You see what he can do. And I think it's that it's perfect timing, but it's also a little bit of luck involved where if he goes to Carolina, we're probably not having this conversation. If he goes one, (laughs) he ends up falling a little bit where people You know, pushed them down because of something that they heard, and he ends up in the right position. So it's what you said. I think it's a lot of timing when it comes to that.
1: Handling a young quarterback and getting their mind set Mm -hmm. is always a challenge. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dave Canales takes over now as the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. He's a young coach and he's getting his first opportunity to be a head coach. And his main job is to figure out how to get Bryce Young right. For sure. Now, but we've seen examples of that. I remember, again, an interview I did with Sean McVay Mm -hmm. when he got hired by the Rams. So this was before his first season. You know, I was thinking about... He was born when I worked for the Raiders. Like, I'm, I'm going through all this as I'm talking to this guy. But Jared Goff was 0-7 his rookie season. Not only not only was he 0-7 as a starting quarterback, he literally didn't even look like he belonged in the league. Like, everything was way too big for this guy. Yeah. And I asked this young coach, I mean, it starts with the quarterback. I mean, you got to get this thing right. I mean, what are you going to do? And he with, with all the conviction in the world, he just looked at me and he said, we need to erase last year. And lo and behold, they make the playoffs his very yeah. first year. I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen in a single season a greater turnaround than I saw with Goff from that rookie year to his second year. We saw a similar situation with Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence mm-hmm. after that mm-hmm. catastrophe with Urban Meyer Yeah, immediately. Peterson comes in, and guess what? Trevor Lawrence is on his way to the playoffs. Right. So if you're Canals, and you're taking over now for the Panthers, Mm -hmm. and you have Bryce Young, and we know Bryce Young has talent, even though he looks really tiny on an NFL field. He He is. (laughs) He is the smallest quarterback in this league. Yeah. How how does a rookie coach come in, as McVay did with Jared Goff, Mm -hmm. and try to get things right with his quarterback?
6: McVay is... I mean, he's he's an out. He may be an outlier, to be honest. I mean, again, we talked early in the year. You thought, I remember early on, you thought this would be a, the worst team in the league.
1: <laughs> I have it down. It's no, on the left there. I picked the Rams to be the worst team in the league. I remember it, and I think Sean McVay is an
6: unbelievable coach. That part, right? Yeah. Like he's proven it. It's 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 tried and true. Yeah, we know it. This year, what he did was cr- just crazy. Crazy, and so. I think that's where it starts. You got to have un- undeniable belief in yourself as a guy, as a leader, to know that you're going into a situation where somebody has already failed, you know? Cuz when you have success, it's easy. Everything's fine. You it's there's smiles, there's a joy about you you're going to work, right? But when you failed, that's when you see the tr- the true test of a man. And so you have a guy, if you hire a guy that comes in who hasn't had, uh, I guess, a long long list of credentials that's coming to that job. You hire that guy because you believe in him as a man and being able to lead guys to where they need to go. So I would say that's why they hired him. And if you have that guy, he can pick that guy off the mat and get him to the place he needs to go because that's where it starts.
1: I remember, and this is dating me as I I do all too often, (laughs) in 1981 the then Washington Redskins Mm – uh, fired Jack Pardee, their coach, who was a known NFL guy, mm-hmm. and they hired this anonymous offensive coordinator for the Chargers named Joe Gibbs. Joe
6: Gibbs, yeah.
1: And, of course, everyone looked at him like, Coriel runs that offense. I don't know what this Gibbs guy does. And they started 0-5 that first year with Gibbs. Yeah. They ended up 8-8 and that year, and the next year they won the Super Bowl. Yeah. And so... A lot of times you just don't know. So we're going to have eight coaches, new coaches in the league this year. A couple of them are going to make it. Yes. The question is, which ones will they be? All right, coming up on the other side, speaking of a place in history, Patrick Mahomes, coming off his first road playoff win ever in his Chiefs run, gets to the AFC Championship game for the sixth consecutive year, becoming the first quarterback in league history to start six consecutive conference championship games. Where does he now stand with the best of all time? We're going to break it down. This is Fox Football Saturday.
0: You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amax.
1: Steve Hartman and Carrie Rose, Fox Football Saturday. So why are we playing Kim Carnes, Betty Davis Eyes? Lorena, why are we playing this song right now?
3: Well, because you talked about the year 1981, Steve.
1: Yes, the year that the uh, then Redskins hired Joe Gibbs to be their head coach. Yes.
3: So um, I looked up, I asked Siri, what was the number one song that year? Mm-hmm. And it was Betty Davis Eyes by Kim Carnes.
1: And then you came in the studio before this to ask me if I could possibly have known what the number one song was in 1981.
3: How would you know? You didn't even Google it. <laughs>
1: My head is like Google. Long before Google was the uh, Hartman uh, trivia brain. It was called Stugel. <laughs> <was> I just <laughs> have this Rolodex in my head, so I had to figure it out. That's why I was staring <laughs> at you while I'm Rolodexing to see. It's so
3: funny. I thought you need at least until you had to come back from the break. You didn't mm. even guess any other songs. You went straight for this one. I
6: did. Okay, I did.
3: Was this a soundtrack song like Carrie it, it mentioned? W- it
6: wasn't, no.
0: Okay.
1: No, no, no. No, no. It was, uh, it was, this song was a huge hit. I mean, huge hit for Kim Carnes back in the day. Uh, Thank you, Lorena, for bringing me back in time. Uh, Once again, Fox Football Saturday. Uh, We're, uh, by the way, shortly after the show, our podcast is going to be going up. If you missed any of today's show, be sure to check out the podcast. Just search Fox Sports Radio wherever you get your podcasts, and be sure to also follow, rate, and review the podcast. Again, just search Fox Sports Radio wherever you get your podcasts, and you'll see this show posted right after we get off the air. In sports, we have Halls of Fame. And I know Deion Sanders made a great point, I think, about different levels of Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't mind guys getting into Halls of Fame. I mean, you know, it was interesting, the Baseball Hall of Fame just announced uh, their new three-person class. Yeah. You know, and Adrian Beltre was a first-ballot Hall of Famer, as was Joe Mauer. Yeah. And no one's going to mistake them for Hank Aaron or Babe Ruth. Right. Right. You know, I mean, the, you know, <laughs> you have certain levels Sure. in terms of star players. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes, in my opinion has already attained the highest level of Hall of Fame mm. in a very short amount of time. Mm-hmm. I saw a stat where he will be uh, soon the third winningest quarterback in terms of postseason wins and just one or two behind Joe Montana and, of course, Tom Brady is <laughs> light years ahead of everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and someone even making the point about him being the second greatest of all time if he does that. I, I hate to remind him Joe Montana did win four Super Bowls. And by the way, in those four Super Bowls, which he never lost a Super Bowl, he never even threw an interception. Oh, I know. Yeah. In those four Super Bowls. Yeah. So uh, well, Brady's one, Montana's two. Mm-hmm. And then we can start to get into the conversation. And by the way, I believe now. Let's see. Talk about lack of interceptions. I don't think that Mahomes has thrown one. He has some kind of streak going and lack of interceptions in postseason. But I, I want to get your thoughts here as you have watched his career unfold with the Kansas City Chiefs mm-hmm. as they get ready for a game. I mean, let's put it this way: if they win tomorrow in Baltimore, yeah, I mean that just. Oh yeah, he's already to me at the highest level. Then all of a sudden.
6: Now we're getting into the stratosphere. Yeah. Right? Th- this would be his biggest achievement. Uh, if they if he wins with this team mm-hmm. on the road in Baltimore, the way that Baltimore's rolling, and his team being like I said, probably his worst the worst version of the Chiefs that we've seen so far. <laughs> that that's uh that'll be that would be a feat.
1: Well, by his standards, it was a mediocre year to yes. say the least. Yes.
6: He got a Pro Bowler
1: bid based on name alone, I yeah. think. Now, there were probably other AFC quarterbacks. Well, yeah. You know, Tua made it. Yeah. Uh, you know, but I mean, it's it's hard to argue against him. But when you watch him play mm-hmm. and you played against and you've seen the greatest quarterbacks of the last 20 years. Yeah. yeah. Are we coming up on 20 years since your rookie year? Oh, you just brought it up. Oh,
6: my God. <laughs> <dude>. <laughs> All right, that is correct. Okay. See, Steve heard me talk about this earlier. No, see, that's it's, it's a sore spot.
1: You, you got the high, you're <laughs> in your prime. Uh, but I mean, you've you've seen so many great quarterbacks and played yeah. against so many great quarterbacks. Yep. What, in your opinion, sets him apart? What is it about Patrick Mahomes that
6: sets him apart? Well, the thing that sets any great quarterback apart is winning. He wins at an all-time level. A level that we haven't seen from anybody, but the two guys that you've named. So it's hard to say he's not better than Peyton Manning yet, or you know these guys that I saw that when I played were the cream of the crop, right? You have, I mean, <laughs> I was playing when Brady was still in his prime the first time, so I've I've seen that as well. Well, so. I,
1: I mean, yours is a perspective of being a, a secondary guy, yeah. playing against Tom Brady, mm-hmm. and you saw him several times, yep. What was it about Brady? I mean, I mean, you you played against some of the great quarterbacks yeah, yeah.
6: of that era. Yeah. Why was Brady able to leapfrog over everyone else? Yeah, Brady was just like it was one of those things where I was never worried about Brady's talent and the talent, the talent. He's he's good, but we could match that. But it was something inside of him, some type of will, some type of destined destined thing for greatness it's just one of those intangible things that you don't get because there are a lot of quarterbacks that are have stronger arms than him um uh, way more athletic than him right uh stronger arm than him so all these things are true but when it gets into meaningful games and having to will your team to win he's the goat of that and you look at Patrick Mahomes and you see that same type of that wheel. And we saw that wheel last week against Buffalo where he's going toe-to-toe with Josh Allen and they're both going back and forth. But I thought they were going to win the game because of Patrick Mahomes. And I think that's the, the, the biggest compliment. You think if the game's close or if that guy has the ball last, doesn't matter where the game is or where the situation is, he's going to win it. And so that's what I would say about him. Obviously you can watch him and tell that he's talented, athletic, strong arm, all the intangibles. But that thing when you believe in the guy, it doesn't matter who he's going against. <laughs> that's that's the highest compliment I have.
1: And that and and and, it, and it's your teammates believing in you. Oh yeah, it raises everything. I remember before Montana won his third Super Bowl, mm-hmm. which was the comfort behind win against the Bengals and pass to John Taylor. Yeah, they had lost three straight years in the first round of the playoffs. Yep. And there was thoughts that their time had come and gone, even though they had added this young receiver named Jerry Rice. People Mm -hmm. do not remember Rice was not part of the first two Super Bowl teams. Yeah, He was at Mississippi (laughs) Valley State at that time. Um, And then, of course, after they broke through and then Bill Walsh resigned, the next year they blow out the Broncos to win a fourth Super Bowl. Right. But when you think about Mahomes... You had the blowout loss in the Super Bowl to Tampa, Tampa yeah. and then that inexplicable fourth—you know—second half meltdown against the Bengals in the AFC Championship game at home. Mm-hmm. And you're beginning to wonder: All right, was he really a one Super Bowl wonder? And then Tyreek Hill leaves, and I'm thinking, it's over. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> and what happens? They win another Super Bowl. Yeah, but this would be the most impressive. This would be the most impressive. I mean, to win in Buffalo, at Baltimore, and then no disrespect to the Lions fans, most likely facing the 49ers. Mm-hmm. The team, by the way, he beat obviously to win his first Super Bowl and a right. come from behind win. That would be an achievement with a third Super Bowl win that again just gets him like I said, I, I would only have Brady and Montana in the
6: conversation. Okay, hypothetically, Steve, his championship window is closed. Stats as they are right now, obviously he's going to play for a long time after this, you know, God willing. What, what, where would he? Be? He would already be three on your on on your mantle right now. Well,
1: it's hard for me to really figure out the Peyton Manny thing because <laughs> his second win, you have very little to do to with deal it. with it, yeah. Sure. I mean, he couldn't even throw the football at that point. Yeah. He was on the field. He started the game. But anyone that saw that game will tell you that he really didn't have a major impact on that game right. uh, against Carolina. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I.
6: It's, it's, hard. it's a hard one.
1: It is. I mean, he'll still be elite. Sure. But it's conceivable that they never win another Super Bowl. Of course it is. Yes. But like I said, it looked like that way with Joe Montana. He won a couple of Super Bowls, and then all of a sudden, first-round loss, first-round loss, first-round loss. Uh, the third year was an ugly one where they had the best record in the league. They lose to the Vikings. Yeah. And a lot of people were beginning to circle the way. That's why Bill Walsh, I think, the next year when they won the Super Bowl, retired mm-hmm. because he just was so burned out trying to get back to the top of the mountain. I I it would be insane for anyone to bet against Mahomes at this point.
6: You think they can always reinvent a team around that guy. That's what you're that's that's basically what you're saying because Brady had years like that too where he didn't they went for a while without winning in New England. Then 10 years. Exactly, and then they came back. So Yeah, they did come back. You know what I mean? So you think that's Right. People forget this about Brady. They <laughs> won in the
1: seasons right. of 01, 03, 04 yeah. and then they won in 14, 16,
6: and 18. And that's the point. So 10 years. So that, and that's the part about the Brady stuff for me, where even having the goat debate, when you say he's one and, and and Joe's two, I believe it. I believe it now because of that last. Well, Brady is Bay. seven and three, sure. and Montana's four Undefeated. and zero. Yeah, and so I have the dispute with that, where in my mind I'm okay with somebody saying that Joe Montana's still 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 the goat. So you know, it is what it is. Well,
1: it's like the Jordan uh, Lebron thing. Yeah, exactly.
6: You know.
1: <laughs> uh... I mean, it's an endless conversation. But I mean, just from my standpoint and and my perspective, uh, Mahomes is in that conversation. For sure. And obviously, if somehow, miraculously, he can lead them to a victory tomorrow and then another win in the Super Bowl. (laughs)
6: Ah, They're talking. We're We're, talking. Now
1: we're really talking. All right, let's find out what is trending right now. Uh, Martin, uh, where, where do you stand on Mahomes and his position on the all time? Quarterback list in in your lifetime. Oh, in my lifetime, he's number two.
7: Number two to Brady. Yeah, but I mean, I'm only thirty four.
1: Right. So you don't <laughs> yeah, remember so, Montana.
7: Right. Yeah. I, I don't remember. Well, Joe that. May, or, but
1: you do remember Peyton Manning. Yep. Sure. You know. And Mahomes has passed Manning. Yeah.
7: I mean, I think so. You
1: think so? Like, yeah. I don't think. I mean, said here, that, here's said the that, thing. Manning what? had five MVP awards. which is yeah. The most ever. <laughs> and Aaron Rodgers has four. Right. Um, but, uh, you know,
7: Patrick Mahomes has hosted the AFC Championship game the last six years. Yep. Well, this that, year he's well, not. Well, this year he's here not, here. so it's five But in he's in a the row. first
1: quarterback, the only other quarterback that ever actually started five consecutive conference championship games, obviously since the merger in 1970, was Ken Stabler of the Raiders, who lost four of those five games. But now Mahomes <laughs> is the first quarterback since the merger then, to start six consecutive conference championship When you championship look at games. his
7: playoff career so far, only really had one game that was kind of a stinker, and that would be the Super Bowl against the Buccaneers. Uh, you
1: forgot that second half against the Bengals in the AFC Championship game Even home.
7: then, that was ugly. I mean, don't get me wrong; it wasn't pretty, but he still had twenty-seven points in the first half. Like you would like to have that, that hot start, and then completely unraveled in the. It second all fell half. apart when Tyreek didn't get it to the end zone. Eli Apple making that tackle, I'll remember it like it was yesterday. <laughs> it was actually the day I met my girlfriend's mom for the first time, and I yeah. was had a. I had so much money on the Bengals. Uh, yeah. That I was like, look, I apologize in advance for anything of how, like, if I. It looked
1: like it was 21 nothing just way. like that. But in that Tampa Super Bowl, he was running for his life. Exactly. Oh, yeah. That, he had, no, had and, no shot.
7: And I know this is going to sound like Von Miller talking about Drew Locke in the uh, training camp, but he had some of the most impressive incompletions that you'll ever see. Yeah. That one, he hit uh, Demarcus Robinson, I believe, right in the face mask. He just didn't expect the ball to be out that late. But what's trending in the world of sports, Steve, you asked me? I'm here for you. (laughs) The Nuggets and the 76ers right now tied 84 apiece with 120 left in the third quarter. But the big question is this. I think you guys could probably hear that, but that is the Denver fans chanting, where's Embiid at? And the answer is not in the lineup. This is his 11th game missed so far this year. Defending MVP will only be able to miss six more to defend his title with the new NBA rule of 65 games played to qualify. Has not played in Denver since 2019. Wow. That was a long time ago. He's, yeah. So he doesn't want to play against Jokic. Well, he's played against Jokic in Philly, but it's, you know, maybe it's the the our benefit of the doubt. Maybe it's the fact that it's a mile high in the air. That, I love the that fact that Jokic is basically more. taking this game off. Well, By his standards, I mean, it, it's not like look. You got if you got Kong versus Godzilla, and Godzilla decides not to show up, what do you expect Kong to do? Where yeah. is he? Where is he at
6: now? Points wise, I know he had two at the half. Where is he at? No, now? he had six at the he half. well, he's half.
7: got eighteen and eleven. Oh, so <laughs> look, Steve Sam is showing up. He's three assists away from a triple yeah, double. He's showing, up, yeah, right? he's, showing he's showing up. he's showing up a little yeah, yeah. bit. Uh, let's go to the uh, injury reports for tomorrow's game. Kadarius Tony out with a hip injury. Marlon Humphrey in. He's fighting through a calf. Zach Ertz did not get elevated for the Lions practice squad. So that Means Sam Laporta, the only healthy tight end on the roster uh, Debo Samuel full going practice on Friday removed from the injury report they were worried about his shoulder but looks like he will be able to go uh, in college in college basketball we had wins for North Carolina Texas Tech Illinois Duke and BYU 7th ranked Kansas lost to Iowa State 79 to 75 and 8th ranked Auburn lost on the road to Mississippi State 64 to 58 Vic Fangio former Dolphins defensive coordinator moving up to Philadelphia he'll take on the Philly role, which was just vacated by former Eagles defensive coordinator Sean Desai, who's interviewing with the Bills and the Falcons today. Jesse Minter, former Michigan defensive coordinator, joining the Chargers and Jim Harbaugh in the same role. And the New England Patriots promote from within. Demarcus Covington, former defensive line coach, he got a promotion to the defensive coordinator. And Buffalo Bills defensive line coach Eric Washington is the new D.C. in Chicago, but Matt Eberflus will still call the plays. Kerry, Steve, you're up.
1: All right, Martin, thank you very very much. You have a great show coming up a little bit later on. Once again, we're coming to you live from the tirerack.com studios. All right, talk about Patrick Mahomes. Let's talk about Lamar Jackson. Mm. So, Lamar Jackson most likely will end up with his second regular season MVP award matching that of Mahomes. Yep. I mean, you could look at his situation coming up here tomorrow and you talk about pressure. Mhm. You're at home. Mhm. Your team is the better team, but you got Mahomes on the other side. How difficult do you think it is for Lamar Jackson to avoid that head-to-head comparison with Patrick Mahomes trying to one-up him? Yeah. Because it's a team sport. It's the consummate team sport. But all the attention is going to be on Lamar Jackson versus Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. How difficult do you think it will be in the biggest game of Lamar Jackson's career to sort of keep his head straight in terms of not trying to compete against Mahomes mm-hmm. and just trying to do what's best to get the Ravens the win?
6: Yeah, it's a great question. You, Human nature says there's a Super Saiyan on the other side, right? And Lamar believes he's a Super Saiyan, and he is. And so when you, see those, when you see those two jerseys on the field, there's going to be a lot of attention um, focused on both of those guys. I just think that he's such a humble kid, Lamar. He's going to acknowledge that, and he's going to be very judicial with his praise and understanding of the moment because he is. But he's playing for something so much bigger, and I know he understands that they've gotten there as a team. Even though you know he's in front of that bus driving the bus, he understands how important the game plan and how important those other guys to him to him and them winning matters. So I think he's going to be level headed, be fine. And again, if they come into the game and control the game the way they're supposed to and don't fall behind at any point, he'll be fine. I think where the trouble lies is if there's a little pressure and Kansas City comes out and. Maybe takes a little lead early. Then there may be some pressing, but overall I think he'll be fine.
1: All right. So you guys are obviously Louisville guys. Yes. So you've known him a long time. (laughs) You've spoke to him obviously this week. Yeah. But he's never had a game like this. No. He didn't in college, and he hasn't had in the pros. Yes. And you always talk about painful losses, how tough it is to lose a Super Bowl. Mm Mm-hmm. The toughest loss is the conference championship game. I've lost in it. It's tough. Because if you get to the Super Bowl, you've made it to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Same way with uh, the NCAA basketball tournament. The Elite Eight, that's the worst. (laughs) Because you've already invested a lot to get there. Yeah. If you get to the Final Four, you get to be part of the festivities. You're part of the Final Four. Yeah. Same thing with the conference championship games. You've already invested in these playoffs just to get there. Maybe one game or two games, but you're already invested into these playoffs. Yeah. Getting to the Super Bowl is what it's about. You get to the Super Bowl. Yeah. I can't think there's any
6: more pressure than these conference championship games. It isn't. We, we did it. I've done it. Um, we we beat Cincinnati. In the wild card, we beat the Chargers. Oh yes, in in, in the thank division. you, Nate, Katie <laughs> can not make a field goal in the division. Yeah, and then we lost to the eventual the eventual winner and Peyton Manning and the Colts that year, right? Yeah. So we talk about you know being able to to see those guys up close and personal, but there's no there is no worse feeling. You're you're right. Like you've invested so much time at that point, you really believe that you can get it done too. You've won two of these things already in his case one and you really feel like oh we're there we there's nowhere we're losing and then you get sent back and then us we're up at the half against the Colts who <laughs> go on to win the championship so you have that it, that sour taste but yes it's it's you know what it reminds me of it reminds me we talked about 49ers this situation reminds me of Steve Young He had trouble getting over that hump in the playoffs.
1: Yep. They lost consecutive Consecutive. conference championship games to the Cowboys.
6: Consecutive years. Finally gets the monkey off his back in 94, and they make it and win, and they beat the Chargers again. The common denominator here. I was at that (laughs) debacle. So it is hard. Yeah. I just, I don't think he has to be, a plus 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 Lamar to win this game,
1: but he might think that because <laughs> Mahomes is on the other side. But I think that if only, I don't yeah. play like a perfect game, Mahomes has shown sure that he's. I mean, he yeah, he had his meltdown in that second half against the Bengals, and yeah. he ran for his life against the Bucks. But outside of that, this guy. Brings his A game to every playoff game. Yeah, and, and if you're Lamar Jackson, you're thinking if I play
6: a B game, we're going to lose. I don't think he thinks that though, Steve. And I, I, I think the human nature of it is yes. I mean, you're right. But Harbaugh's been there, so your he has. your leader's been there. So he's going to have he's he's the guy that's steady in that ship. And so I believe and Joe in Flacco that. played the best game of his life in that Super Bowl. There you go. We talked about it. Mm-hmm. The leader of the men in those in those situations. They can control a lot of what happens. And All right. so I feel good about Harbaugh.
1: We'll we'll see. I mean again, it's it's the, the spotlights on Lamar Jackson tomorrow. For sure. I mean, he's gonna have to play well. Does he have to outplay Mahomes? I don't think he has to outplay him. Right. But remember this the Ravens had the number one defense. Chiefs are number two.
6: Yeah, the Chiefs aren't
1: bad. That Chiefs defense has really <laughs> carried them for most of this year. True. But in the playoffs, it's about your quarterback. Oh, More uh, often than not, how your quarterback plays is going to dictate how far you go in the playoffs. So it is going to be a tremendous battle. That will be the first game tomorrow. Ravens and Chiefs followed by the Lions and the 49ers. Speaking of the games, of course you know what's coming up on the other side. We're going to make our picks. We're going to actually give you final scores. This is Fox Football Saturday. Steve Hartman and Kerry Rhodes, Fox Football, Saturday, coming to you live from the com studios. want to thank the guys today. Martin doing a great job, as always, doing double duty here, giving us our updates. Patrick settled into his role as producer of this show. A lot of buzz with Patrick these days. And then Lorena, and I, I apologize, Lorena, sort of blowing your mind, but once in a while I have to do that just to convince you my mind still works. I
3: love you're keeping me on my toes, Steve. <laughs> I
1: know. Keep it up. I try to do it, but you guys do a phenomenal job, and we appreciate it. All right, so here we go, Carrie. We got yep. two games tomorrow. Uh, I'll be here with Rich tomorrow. With Red Zone Radio, Uh, we'll be halfway through our show when that AFC Championship game kicks off between the Ravens and the Chiefs. But let's start with the NFC Championship game first. Yep, 49ers, about a seven-point favorite at home against the Lions. Give us a little play-by-play on how this is going to play out and and give us a final score in that NFC Championship game.
6: Yeah, I wish that Detroit was healthy up front in this game because it would be so much more interesting of a game. I think Green Bay really came out and out physical San Fran, which we haven't seen too much of out of that team. So I wish they were healthy. They're not, and that's the reason I'm taking the 49ers. Uh, I think the 49ers got the bad one out the way. They're going to play better in in game two in this playoff run, and I think Purdy's going to have a really good game, bounce-back game. 49ers... I say 35 to to 20 is the final score of that game.
1: 35 to 20. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm sort of on the same page with you as far as the Lions are concerned. So, as we mentioned, this is the first time, it's only the second time ever that the Lions have actually played in an NFC championship game since the merger. Yep. And you go back to the playoffs back in 1991, and they played the Dallas Cowboys. That was the first time that the Aikman, Emmitt Smith, that Jimmy Johnson team had been in the postseason, and they blew the doors off of them, mm-hmm. 38 to six. Yep, 38 to six. That was the final score: Lions over the Cowboys, 38 to six. Troy Aikman, Emmitt Smith, yeah, Michael Irvin, yeah, yeah, 38 to six. Yep. The NFC championship game they lost 41 to 10 to the then Redskins. <laughs> yeah. I could see a very similar scenario. Um I think when we watched the 49ers a week ago all of a sudden there were all these, you know, warnings, oh, Brock Purdy, mama looks too big for him mm-hmm. until it didn't. Right. On that final drive. Until it didn't. Yeah, and that's the yeah. And good. that to me was something he can build on. Mm-hmm. I hope we can keep this game close. I don't think it's going to be close. What was your final 35-20? 35-20. What do you think? Not even that close. Huh? Not even that
5: close.
1: <laughs> like 38 to 14. I just see a 49er route. Of course, everybody listening to my now is calling their book and immediately putting all the money yeah, the they have the on side. the opposite side. <laughs> So if you've listened to me long enough, you know how that works. All right, let's go to the AFC game. Yep, Between the Chiefs and the Ravens, first game tomorrow. How is this game going to play out, and what is your final score?
6: Yeah, I think this game is going to play out in a a manner that many may not agree with. We have two good defenses. I think one defense is uh, still even light years better than that other defense. And I think we have a hungry team that's coming out of Baltimore that's just going to be able to, to, to put this team away. And I see the game being, I don't know the over-under in this game, but I see this score being 30 to 13, Baltimore. Wow. Wow. All right. I
1: know you're speaking from your heart as well <laughs> with your tie to Lamar. I don't see that for this game tomorrow. Yep, yep. In fact, what I see tomorrow is a little bit of what we've been talking about, and that is the greatness of Patrick Mahomes. Uh-oh. Final score, Chiefs 27, huh? Ravens 24. Oh. And I see it as one of those games where the Ravens are being challenged, but it seems like they have the game under control. It's very similar to the Bills. I mean, mm-hmm. the Bills... Mm-hmm. It looked like they, you know, was sort of a shootout back and forth. Um, until he gets over the hump, mm-hmm. I still have to be a little skeptical about Lamar in what will be the biggest game of his NFL career. I'm not taking anything away from his greatness. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that he's going up against a quarterback that's been there and done that. Yep. And I think that win on the road against Buffalo. And mm-hmm. it was an emotional game. And I've heard the argument that, you know, it, it's going to take something out of Kansas City, mm-hmm. having to go on the road against that big rival Buffalo and escape when, you know, wide right. Mm-hmm. Who knows what goes on after that? But I just think that again, until I see otherwise, I got to go with Mahomes. So I'm going to say Chiefs 27. Ravens 24. It's going to be a classic. You think it's going to be a classic. I don't think that Lamar will play poorly. Mm-hmm. I just think that in the end, Mahomes is going to make one more play. Don't let
6: Mahomes Mahomes greatness fool you, Steve. Mm. The, their offense is just they don't have the, the pieces to compete with their Baltimore And the defense. Ravens clearly, <laughs> we remember what the
1: Ravens did to the 49ers in I, Santa Clara. I'm, tra-
6: I'm telling you. They dominated that I'm game. I'm telling you. The pieces are I'm with in you.
1: Everything points. <laughs> the, by the way, the betting line opened at like three. It's up to four and climbing. Money is pouring in on the Ravens. And that just makes no sense when you got
6: Patrick Mahomes <laughs> yes, on the other side. It does, Steve. Don't, they are devoid of weapons. So we'll see. All right. We'll so uh, were you watching the game tomorrow? I got to figure that out. I don't know yet. No, you better <laughs> figure it out. All
1: right. We got much more coming up. Stay right here. This
2: is Fox Sports Radio.